Where's my ghost face popcorn bucket? Damn it! Oh. Hey there, DFM family. There's nothing quite like seeing a scary movie on opening weekend. Sir, your phone. Okay, okay. I'm turning it on silent. Ooh, the previews are almost over and Demonette has a return from the bathroom. Hope she makes it. The lights are going down. Time for a bone slicing slasher in the Big Apple. <laughs> We're back from the theaters to discuss Scream 6. Hope you guys enjoyed our recent bonus episode where our kiddos helped us to review Demon Knight and this week's bonus episode where we discussed 1980s Maniac. This is episode 5. We are very excited to talk to you about the new Scream 6 which had built up in anticipation and exploded on the internets come this previous Tuesday, Wednesday when the UK and press screening slash I don't know, what, what do you call them? Special invites began. Um, we were able um, to watch it twice, fortunately. Um, first on Thursday's early screening at 5.30 p.m. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Um, and 3D and D-Box, which my understanding is D-Box, and I'm not surprised because we're in Pennsylvania, is the grandfather of 40X. Um, as I said in our video on Instagram, which they, they did have a 40X screen poster. Um, and then yesterday, Saturday the 11th, we saw a 105 matinee showing. And is Scream just, like, is it just our theater and we're going to the wrong times? Like, are we just I, getting older because we're not going to, like, a 9 o'clock showing? <laughs> I think the 7 o'clock showings were probably yeah. where you had the crowds I was very surprised at both showings how... There's, what, maybe 30 people in each one. Max. Maybe only a quarter of the theater filled up. But again, it was... It was a matinee. Pretty early because we had the kiddos with us. Um, I have been excited since we launched Dying for Midnight to talk about the new Scream movie. And um, also, heads up, guys, that we're going to be going back to the movies to go see the new Evil Dead Rise. I can't wait. Which, um, I love Scream. But I will admit I'm a little screamed out now. We've been talking about Scream for the past month, basically. Yeah. I, I love Scream, but I, I'm good with a break. Like, I'm ready to start watching. Like, we've still watched a lot of horror movies in between. Yes. But any, anyways, um, let's start off by saying that we're going to start episode five here, Scream 6. We're going to do a non-spoiler segment, and we will give you fair warning before we start talking about spoilers um i want to start carrie with the just some scream box office notes to put in perspective where we are at with the scream franchise which is and i i i actually thought come 2011 after scream 4 just kind of came out with a bit of a whimper it was moderately successful thank goodness people overseas wanted to see it because otherwise it would have bombed yeah um I am so happy to be in 2023 um, as an elder millennial saying that Scream is back on top in horror. It's actually crazy to me to think about. It is. Well, and for our kids, you know, the next generation. They're in love with it. Yeah. Uh, that's all, as a horror fan with kids, that's all I ever wanted was like, yeah, they've got some really awesome slashers that they can grow up with just like we grew up with. Um, I'm really hoping that this stirs the friday the 13th pot i did see 
what streaming service was it, Carrie, where they are bringing back Adrian King as Alice for a Crystal Lake show? We'll have to talk more about that. We'll have episode, to talk but... about that. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure which platform that is, but yeah. I did see it's 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 a series, right? It's a series, and I know a lot of F13 fans are like, finally, the legal stuff is over. So, anyways, what I'm trying to get at is that if you look back, even just the last year on Scream Five's Thursday opening, that was really good. They made 3.5 million. Scream 6, even though we were like, how come nobody's at the theater 5.30 on a Thursday? Probably because some people were still working. But um, we're, we're fortunate to have flexible working. Yeah, so it made 5.7 million. That's a big leap from 3.5 to 5.7 on a Thursday. Um, when I checked earlier this Sunday morning, I did not see Saturday's figures yet, but they had already projected with ticket sales as is, and I'm actually going to update this midstream. When I typed this, I said 42, but now they're saying 43.5 to 44 million. Wow. Scream 5's opening just last year for the whole weekend was 30 million. They're going to blow that out of the water. Wow. And the biggest opening, and I didn't think this would have been the case. I thought it would have been Scream 2. Scream 3 had the biggest opening of the entire franchise up until this point with 34.7 million. That actually makes sense. Well, because you were at the height of Scream fandom. Yes. After not, 2. Not just that, but a lot of us elder millennials were finally able, legally allowed to go see it in theater. Excellent That's point. the point. You know what, though? Here's the difference between from Scream 3 to Scream 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. From Scream 2 to Scream 3 was like a two and a half, three year wait. Mm -hmm. They have already... There is a scooper that had said, and I don't know if it was a viewer and on on the Reddits, I'll have to check it out. But anyways, they've already greenlit. And you can just scale from the box office that, that we're getting to Scream 7. Yes, Scream is hotter than it's ever been, even whenever it first came out. Um, it's a really great time to be a Scream and fan. And I think you have most of the actors on board to keep going. The core four makes me crack up every time I say it. It is so corny and cheesy, but that's right up my alley. Um, so, yeah, we're we're a peak scream, guys. Um, peak scream fandom. Um, we're at where we were at in between Scream Two and Scream Three. Um, Twenty Twenty Three is just shaping up to be another great year in horror. I'm not gonna. We're not going through a slasher resurgence, I don't think, because we're not. Although maybe we we're starting to see that because you're getting the I know what you did legacy sequel yes, is going to be coming, which I cannot wait. Hey Joshua Jackson, you want to do another? Uh, what is it? Urban Legends? I don't know how he would do that. He'd have to be a different character. Yes, he would. Can we get Joshua Jackson in Scream Seven along with Mick and Katie? I actually think that that would be really awesome because his character did not necessarily die in Scream Two. No, getting off track. So, Carrie, I want you to lead off. Pardon me. Let's talk about the Scream audience experience. <laughs> we I, touched on I, this. But I the, touched on this. but The, I, thir the Thursday the, early screening versus the Saturday. <laughs> and people are like, I went with a big crowd at 9 p.m. I don't know what you old folks are talking about. <laughs> Listen, we, we cannot take the kids. Our kids are not wired to stay up late. Um, so we cannot take them to a 9 o'clock showing. Because yep. they won't last. Keep going because I'm in bad need of something to drink. I'm starting to hack into people's ears again. Okay. So I, I apologize. So Thursday, you know, of course, 5.30 a.m. people or 5.30 a.m. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they should do a 5.30 a.m. showing. But <laughs> 5.30 p.m. We were the probably the first ones there to 
and we had already we pre-bought our tickets listen we're pushing 40 we're not pushing like 75 here <laughs> 5 30 a.m is even too brutal for me and i'm an early riser think about it though that would be an awesome experience as the sun rises you're watching this movie <laughs> that was so poetic as the sun rises we watch some blood splatter come on think about it you're entering like art house horror territory <laughs> as the sun rises um okay sorry moving on so that was the 3d first and foremost did you talk about the glasses uh, that's what i'm about to do my dear sorry (laughs) (laughs) sorry this this village continues it went up my nose this time too my nose burns (laughs) (laughs) sorry folks I'm not, well, listen, we're not editing that out because that was, I was just, I wish this is where I want to get you on video, Carrie. I uh, really want to do video at some point because people can see me <laughs> blow soda up through my nose. I am so sorry. Oh, now I got the giggles. Hold on. <laughs> Don't make me spit out my coffee. This is ridiculous. Okay. I'm going to be quiet and get myself composed somewhat while you keep going, please. Cause you are way more with it. Than I am today. The 3D experience, I do not think it was worth it. Only simply because as someone, and yes, I didn't get any motion sickness with it, even though I took Dramamine, that was not a factor. The factor was the glasses were kind of like really thin and... I had a really hard time fitting them over my glasses and I cannot see clearly without my glasses. So I would not have been able to see the movie. So I really think going forward, plan for that. Make them bigger. Make them like those big HD vision to fit over things. I'm not then... too proud to wear the big geriatric glasses. Can no. we get them in like the big orange shade? Ooh, green. Green would be good. Come on now. I feel like we need a 3D version of Halloween 3 with like green and orange. Yes. Lenses. I don't think that fits with the technology. I think it if it's analog. I'm talking it has about the frames, not I'm, the lenses. I'm sorry. I'm 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 still You're... recovering from soda explosion. <laughs> so go ahead. So good. So you that I cannot I, believe in today's day and age that they did not make the consider 3D, that yeah. yeah like big enough to fit over glasses and i'm just gonna say i think it was just our theater just had like no old, old frames somebody no. out there that wears glasses comment let us know about the real d3d it was i couldn't believe that that happened to you and our son yeah and our, our son he even admitted that i don't think he saw very much on thursday because he admitted that it was blurry for him so anyways um all 3d gaffes aside um what other thoughts do you have? Because I wanted to comment on that a little bit too. Um, th- that's just all. I was a little, I, I was having more trouble focusing on the glasses fitting so that I could see the movie than actually being able to fully enjoy the movie. Gotcha. So it was um, a distraction for me, but the D box was nice. Um, and we're going to touch on that yeah. in a little bit. So um, guys, can somebody let us know what, 3d worked well for them in the horror movie like we've never had the privilege to see a horror movie in 3d before this past thursday and i figured it was gonna not it's not it's never gonna be like the old analog like 
which did not work for you at all here at home. We watched Friday the 13th in 3D here at home. I loved it. I was chuckling the whole time. I thought it worked great. But that analog can mess with your eyes. I I know a lot of people have problems. I I had to take them off. So here's the thing. If they will go out of their way to make a screen movie with 3D with things popping out at you, I'm game for it. Like I can even go separately. I'm willing to give it one more try. Like you've got to have blood knife swinging something flying at us a body coming at you the only moment that i thought stood out in 3d um and again this is just depth that's not necessarily that crass classic it's not crass uh classic 3d um when you think of 3d in horror movies you know what though my bloody valentine was a good one um what was that oh nine so that so that latter scene with annika mm-hmm. um that was the one moment where I'm like ooh, this 3d is really cool right now because it like it went up above their heads and looked down into the alley. So I thought that's where it worked, but that, that was just about it for me, Carrie. And see, Um, I I even missed that part of it because I was too busy focusing with the glasses. So, um, 3d guys, somebody out there, let us know if you feel differently that that 3d is a big no for us in scream six. It just, it was not worth the price point, um, at all. It actually, for people with glasses, I would think it would be pretty distracting, especially if they couldn't fit over your glasses correctly. So moving on to D-Box, and you and I are split on this, Carrie. Um, I'm going to say no. There are a few kills where I felt the stab, and I just said it was okay, but I I would save the money next time. When we go to see Scream 7, I still want to go on opening night a Thursday, even if it's early and nobody else is there, sans the 3D in the D-Box. It wasn't bad, but it just wasn't worth the price for me. It's not It's not a knock. I, it sounds like you got a little bit more out of the D-Box than I did. Yeah. Maybe that's because you couldn't really see it quite as well. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I was focusing more on the... The, the feeling, the, the, the feeling. look of things. <laughs> um, anyways, so... I, I did like the D-Box. You know, there has been movies in the past, like Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows Part 1, and Spiderway. Spire. Spiderway. <laughs> well. This is a lovely neighborhood, <laughs> Spiderway. Welcome to Spiderway Homes. <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home, where we didn't do 3D, but the D-Box was excellent, and it did feel like you were on a ride like you would get at Universal or Disney, and I enjoyed that. Okay, so... D-Box was slightly better for us as a whole, mostly for you. Okay, so here's the thing, though. They didn't just give you a D-Box. I wish that maybe I would have enjoyed D-Box if it would have just said, hey, regular 2B, 2B, or not 2B. That is the question with Scream 6 and D-Box. Just just the D-Box I would have been cool with. I will note this. Our, Our son, who has trouble sitting still, I noticed he sat more still with the D box because it was moving for him than the regular 2D. I noticed he gotcha. had trouble. Yeah. So let's talk about the 2D regular experience, which is what most how most people saw Scream Six. Yeah, so um I absolutely loved it. I it was just an amazing experience for me. Uh, I just, I prefer the regular 2D experience for me when it comes to horror movies in general. Uh, and I think that's just because the 3D with the glasses and everything yeah, just that, made it I, hard. I did. I could see you guys were struggling and I felt bad 
but uh, that that one's on me. We won't make that mistake again. One hundred percent on the two D, and um, if you think about where you know what Scream is going on, almost thirty years old. Thirty years old, correct? It's twenty seven years old, basically, give or take a year. Um, Scream came out in good old fashioned two D. I think that that's the way that it's intended. It, it would take a lot. I think it would take them a lot of money to make it. So people are like, oh my gosh, you have to see it in 3D. There's not too many films where people are clamoring for 3D. I I just, it still feels a little gimmicky to me where they're just, it's just not, I I can't sit here and say, wow, I was blown away by any movie that had 3D. Friday the 13th part three was fun, but even still, I would rather have a chance to go to a drive-in or a theater to see the old Friday the 13th movies. And I don't need the 3D in that one. I would just love to be able to see those classic slashers in the theaters again. And folks, tell us. 3D is an afterthought for me. If you saw Scream 6 at a drive-in, please let us know how that was. I saw some people on our Joe Bob Mm -hmm. Mutant Cave group that they saw a double feature. They were doing (laughs) double features. Did you see that? Of Scream 6 with cocaine there? I I was was so jealous. I was just like, I I wanted to see that. I was like, oh, that would be an awesome double feature. So, um, yeah, cocaine bear at Crystal Lake. I still say Jason versus cocaine bear would be amazing. So, um, you know, everything else to me is distraction. Like, I want to be able to consume Scream movies where I can actually look at the pick up the clues the easter eggs the subtleties of the performance remember how we talked about um there so many people act with their eyes in yes these movies there was a lot they, of eye acting in yeah this. um and of course you know seeing it a second time in two days also really out but again 2d just it's the classic horror movie going experience it allows you to focus on the setting the kills the characters i i just feel like the other stuff is gimmicky at this point um but again that's just our preference Someday somebody's going to do a really good horror movie in 3D. It's it, it's, it's only a matter yeah. of time. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, moving on, where does Scream 6 rank for you overall among the other Screams? Guys, I if I have to rank it, I'm going with um, third favorite overall. But in my mind right now, and it could be just like the, what are you, the, the bias of it being so new to me. It's tied for second. With me with Scream 2, it's that good. It is the best sequel since Scream 2. I, I just think this they really knocked it out of the park. Again, I'm coming at this as a huge Scream fan, okay? I love to hear from other people that are just kind of lukewarm on Scream, where you thought it was for you in terms of the other ones. Yeah. <coughs> my my favorite is still the original. It's still the original. It's the one that started it all. Um, yeah. It's definitely better than part two for me um scream six it might just be the best sequel and i really did enjoy seeing kirby coming back that was awesome we'll talk more on kirby later for sure um it's just that it i was i was my hopes were that it was at least on par with five and i think it is far it it blew it away five the storyline the characters had so much more to do in this one and we got to know them even more um okay folks so that is going to end our non-spoiler section 
of this episode five, Scream from, Six. From here on out, there <coughs> will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. Are beware. Um. Okay, we're gonna do a countdown from five. Guys, pause this. Come back to this later After once you've, you've seen, seen it. it. I, I know, listen. It's Sunday. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it by now. But just in case you you're one of those ones who like, ah, I just I, I had to wait till the following weekend. Spoilers in five, four, four three, two, two, one. We have ignition. Blast off to spoilers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't help being awkward about it. So yes, we are awkward. We're. Uh, <laughs> Where does the opening rank for you? Especially when I'm talking and there's soda leaking out of my nostrils. <laughs> this is, <clears throat> it's a, it's a long, slow burn in my nostrils. And I, I know I'm giving you people more than you ever wanted to know about what's happening with my nose right That's now. That's enough. So Dr. Pepper <laughs> sniffles, where does the opening rank for you in comparison to the other openings? So this is. My second, everybody's going to talk Drew Barrymore, and I get it. It's just, that is a legendary moment for horror fans. That, for that time, 1996, <clears throat> excuse me, it sur subverted expectations. So this is my second favorite opening, and you know Scream 2 forever has been my favorite opening. Mm -hmm. This is my second favorite opening next to Scream 2. And yes, I actually do like this more. And again, because it's new to me, I could be saying that this is a better opening to me than even the Drew Barrymore one. Um, sorry, Drew Barrymore. But uh, the, I mean, yours is great. They're all they're all a lot of fun. But I thought Scream 5's opening was fun with the doors opening and closing or whatnot, um, locking or unlocking. But I thought it I thought that Scream 5 needed that opening to help ground the movie back in Woodsboro. Mm -hmm. because, and it had to be simplified. With and the use to, of appropriate technology. It had to be simplified and echo Scream 1 because we, we're starting a requel. Okay, this is like not a remake, not a sequel. It's a com combination, right? We talked about that last episode. But it wanted you to know that we're going back to its roots. And I know you like Scream 4's opening and you're going to talk about that, but I did not like at all. Um, this is the best opening to me since Scream 2. Wherever you rank the movies, again, <clears throat> um, I loved that um, our Ready or Not gal was featured here as the film professor, <clears throat> and a lot of people don't know that she's Australian. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I, I honestly didn't know that. I did. I, you know, Ready or Not, she doesn't have that accent. So <clears throat> um, she's there as the film professor. What is it? Samara Weaving. Yes. Um, I loved all the horror movie Easter eggs references. The Giallo movies were referenced. Um, <clears throat> we have to just talk about, you know, some Easter eggs here. The the again, guys, spoilers. I love they had Jason Takes Manhattan on the TV, but my favorite reference of all was the Friday the Thirteenth Part Two reference with the would be ghost face in the fridge. Um, I actually think it was better done than the Mrs. Voorhees had, which is that's saying a lot if you're a Friday the 13th fan too. Um, <clears throat> what was amazing to me is when the title card came on, um, and before that, let me back it up for a second. It actually does say Scream 6 on the title card when the movie it starts does. after the opening. Like They weren't even playing around with the, with the V and the I for 6. 
at all. It literally, like, they didn't even put it in the M like they had been on the posters. It literally said Scream 6 below it. Like, yeah. there, there's no question that this is part 6. Because people are like, oh, yeah, a sequel to a requel. It's kind of a little bit of both. But no, it, this is a this is a franchise now again, once again. And we're talking about a sequel um, to a requel. And which is funny. It's a part six. I love that we can say that. But it is a quintessential part two. It's like a follow-up yes. sequel. And it's got we've got so many layers to scream now. And I've got to say my favorite, one of my favorite dialogues was from the opening when um, Tony's character, the would-be ghost face, is, ta- is talking to the actual ghost face, the main ghost face, and he's talking about what it felt like to kill Samara Weaving's character. Um, and I've got to give the guy his due. Yeah, that was... Um, <laughs> Peter Parker's friend. I, I don't want to just say that because um, Tony Revolori... Or is it Tony Revolori? Yes, I think it's Revolori. Revolori. Um, and I, I've heard uh, so many podcasts butcher his last name. So he played Jason, right, in the yes. opening, which is hilarious. And his other friend that was in the fridge is Greg. Greg, okay. Yes. So he's talking about killing Samara Weaving's character, the film professor, about uh, equating it to killing an animal, which was really, really disturbing. disturbing. Like, okay, I get it. You're a hunter. We grew up with hunters. That's that's a different than than cold blooded butchering of an animal. Yeah. Um. And I love that Ghostface called him out on. It's like, oh, do you do you feel like a piece of meat? Do you feel like an animal? Basically, like she wasn't just. And he's and and Jason's like, but we've got to finish the movie. And Ghostface says, who gives a fuck about, about the movies? movies before he just. I just I, as soon as he says that, I'm like, this is a revenge movie, and I'm all for it. Like, I don't need commentary after commentary about movie references. Jasmine does a great monologue at the college campus, just like dear old Randy, RIP. But I love that this was a revenge sequel. I yeah. loved it. I, I was hoping for that, and I I got it. So, Carrie. Um, so I opening. I, I still think part two is still my favorite opening, just because of it's in the movie theater, and you have people think it's a performance. That to me, you, I don't know that you can beat that, but. My second favorite is Scream 4 opening. Ooh, that's a hot take. I don't know too many people that rank that up in their top three. Yeah. Well, I, maybe, maybe. I, I, I think it's who it is. It's the exchange between Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin. I think the fact that Kristen Bell, and I believe it's Kristen Bell, yes, it takes is. it, the knife, and she just stabs Anna Paquin as they're arguing. I have said this before previously. I w- actually wish that instead of them being opening kills, they would have been given bigger roles. I, I do too. I, I actually think it would have improved Scream 4. I do too. I But I think uh, maybe <clears throat> they didn't want to commit fully, and that's yeah, why who, it was. Who knows? But yeah, I, I have to say that I don't hate the opening. It's just it wasn't for me. So Yeah. Um. Well, to the point, you know, in episodes three and four, it would have been great. Um. But this is my third favorite opening. I mean, it was absolutely different. It set itself apart. Um, You got to see who you thought were the killers right at the beginning, which, oops, no, you're not. Um, You were planning on it, but then it's like reverse. 
you know. Are you playing Uno over there? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like the reverse of what you expect in an opening kill. Yeah. So the killers are killed. And we had talked about, and I know this has been on the Reddit forums and people have been wanting this for a while, was the idea of dueling or competing ghost faces or, or at least two two separate ghost faces with different motives. So that was and, cool that they touched on that. And I'm just going to say this. Before we saw the movie, we were talking about guesses. And I'm going to just say it right now. Well, don't, don't reveal quite yet because we have a whole other section on that. Okay. So what? I mean, like... Are you saying that you want to talk about who your initial guest was? No, just the number of ghost faces. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. Real quick. I nailed it. You did. I nailed it and said that I thought there were going to be three ghost faces. You did. Even though technically you could argue there's five. You did. But the... In the ending, there was three. So I, I actually thought that there was going to be two again. And I, I thought that there was going to be competing ghost faces. Like I thought that it was going to be one was going to be about the movies and one was going to be like a vigilante revenge type deal. <coughs> um, I had said to you from the beginning when the trailer came out, I said, okay, we've got Henry Zerny. And I remember when I learned he was going to be on there, I'm like, hmm, wonder if that's somebody's dad. Okay. It wasn't, but then I'm like, Dermot Mulrooney was giving me, and I'm like, okay, Dewey died. Our beloved Dewey died in five and Kirby's coming back now, but she's an FBI agent and we've got a cop, a detective. I'm like, they, I wonder if they're going to do a reverse law enforcement. How long have Scream fans been talking about? Yeah. Look at Scream 1, even with the sheriff and then with Dewey, you're like, oh, they're They're focusing on the the boots of the sheriff. Yeah. And then you've you've even got um, you know jo- you've Jody. even got Mick Kincaid. Um, what's her name? Yeah, uh, Sheriff Judy. Sheriff Judy. Yeah, yeah. She she was a red herring for sure yeah. in Scream Four. I mean, they did away with that pretty quickly in Five. But um, <coughs> pardon me, that you had Kincaid, Mick Kincaid, mm-hmm. uh, and Mark Kincaid in Three was a big time red herring. And so um, I told you. I thought one was movie, one re- was revenge, and I thought for sure we're finally going to get a law enforcement. Yeah, and I felt I felt that killer. way too. Yeah, I felt we were kind of overdue for that situation. Okay, so moving on, our favorite character, lead or non-lead, and favorite red herring. Okay, my favorite lead in this movie, Mindy. I, I just I love it because it's such a throwback to Randy. But at the same time, it's her take on describing new rules. You know, she knows, you know, she's totally fucked whenever she sees that ghost face looking at her on the subway. And it's just like an oh shit moment. She got separated. You know, she knows this is going to happen. And the way her face reacts to when the ghost face is covering her mouth you know, nobody knows this has happened until the stop and the lights come on. And in that scene, she's alone and she can't fight back. She has nowhere to go. And the moments with her girlfriend, Annika, were excellent. I thought Annika, played by Devin Nakoda, was amazing. They really rounded out the cast with the characters, you know, to make you care about them, even if they don't last long. That was an element that made this a stronger Scream sequel. 
the casting was spot on. Kudos to them. Um, you felt really sad for Mindy and Anika when Mindy is blocking the door, telling her to go and save herself. And the girlfriend is just clutching her, her stomach and just saying like, you know, in a way she's like shaking her head. Like she thinks she's done. She thinks she can't survive. And that latter scene it was just so heartbreaking. It was. I actually, it was a tender moment between them before Mindy goes on the ladder. It, it was almost like they knew they knew one of them wasn't going to make it one way or another. And it was just, it was just sad, but you know, Agreed. seeing Kirby back again was great because I, she was part of the reason why I enjoyed part four. Seeing her in that movie definitely made that a step up. I always enjoy Hayden's performances, whether it's in heroes. I enjoyed that. Um, you know, it was just the right amount of time for me. And she was just more of a secondary character, which I think helped the storyline. Yeah. Um, I can't disagree with any of that. I think the latter scene um, is really key. I actually think that there's two things in this movie that if they didn't happen, Scream 6 wouldn't have been as good as it was. The getting together in the apartments... I think if you're going to make a horror movie in New York City, I mean, it, even the beginning felt like a felt like maniac or cruising. All those movies that um all those movies that uh had that grittiness or that New York City backdrop, you have to spend some time in the apartments and then, so the latter scene um spoiler alert again guys where Annika um is it Annika or Annika? I think it's Annika. Annika, I think. Falls to her death, unfortunately. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and the subway scene. If those aren't on there, this isn't as good of a movie in my opinion. But they are. So thankfully, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, red herring. Yes. My uh, my favorite red herring yeah. is actually Danny. The boyfriend angle again. You know, after the last killer and everything, to have that boyfriend, Sam, is trying to be trusting again. And this boyfriend, Danny, he's really good for her. He mirrors Derek for Sydney and Scream 2, you know, and, and what makes this a good red herring is that he's in it just enough, having moments of showing up after something bad happened late, which makes our core four question him only in the end to really approve of him. That, you know, that was a nice little twist. He actually was a better red herring for me on the second go around. Um, I thought he was just kind of there the first time we saw it, but he just like Ethan was questioned like, Hey, where were you? Like, Oh, suspicious new guy in the apartment. Yes. <laughs> Chad was saying, I'm like, time to go by and he locks him <laughs> out. Um, <clears throat> my favorite lead or non lead. I guess he's, <laughs> it's funny cause we've got the core four. So really we do have yes. four leads, even though there's like another tier of leads there. There's Sam and Tara and Tara. I think you can argue secondary lead. Yeah, secondary lead. Good good call. So Chad Meeks Martin, I think, is the heart of this movie. I, I love that we're exploring a relationship between him and Tara. Um, I think the guy is a great example of being like sensitive but strong, non-toxic male. Um, both him and Danny actually represent the dudes pretty well in this one. Um, I loved Chad's fisticuffs with Ghostface. Well, really, one of them and then two of them, but... Um, Again, this is the spoiler section, folks, so I'm just going to say I was gutted 
when I, when the two ghost face, the double ghost face stabbings, they like, you know, he gets some really good punches in, throws down the popcorn machine and he, the two girls, Sam and Tara hold him back and he, he gets a, a few good haymakers in there on ghost face. Yeah. But the two ghost faces stabbing him, like, there's just no way they like each stabbed him like four or five times. Yeah, it it might've been time. even more. Hey, ghost face, like you need to start aiming for the heart and head a little bit more than just like. <laughs> abdomen oblique shoulder abdomen oblique shoulder like every time it's like it's almost at this point we need to become even more smarter and elevated knowing like yeah but look at where he stabbed him he's part, gonna survive <laughs> part of the ghost chase though is are they really that experienced when they started well that's a good point you're right it's kind of like they're just gonna get whatever i mean there's a lot of adrenaline going yes. on so you're gonna get your stabs in where you can <laughs> in the moment yeah just stab if you do it enough times it'll work right yeah so you bleed out enough um Red herring again, not for long. Henry Henry Zerny's character, the therapist, was a was a red herring for me until he got killed. I loved the scene with him where he he kind of like he's in the beginning he's interviewing interviewing he's talking with Sam and whenever she tells him what he did to Rob what she did to Robbie he's like okay I think we're done here and he is an absolutely terrible therapist by the way. Well, well just a point on that it wasn't the fact that she stabbed him 22 times that wasn't the re like he reacted to that but he was still gonna go with it so it wasn't until she said that she thought it felt right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's when he said i'm out peace yeah. out um and he definitely could not report that to the authorities by no. the way um so my favorite red herring is detective bailey and we all know what can actually happen with some red herrings guys um shout out to the ethan character another great red herring all throughout and i have to agree with you um on danny to a degree so let's move on to favorite death and effects okay so my favorite death was when tara killed ethan it was a very satisfying end so to speak she had to finally get her hands dirty to save her yeah, own life. That's a good point. I, I think she had so much more to do in Scream 6 versus Scream 5. I, she I actually, wasn't just a victim. I will admit that after Scream 5, I'm like, I don't see the big deal here with Jenna Ortega's character. People were like, oh, yeah, she's the bomb. She's the next big thing. I'm like, yeah, it was good, but... She played the victim big time in five, and that was like, eh, and then Sam was, and pe what was funny was people were so pro Jen Ortega, but so damn, damn, so down damn. on Melissa Barrera, but I actually had the reverse feeling in five. I thought Sam was way more badass than Tara in the first one. Um, but in this section, and, yeah. they both were badass. They, they were. Well, Tara was finally like, yeah, okay, I, I I'm embracing this. I've got to step up and be a badass yeah. as well. It's either, you know, the whole movie, she resisted Kill. to this part of the her life. Like, she was in denial. Yeah. And then this is the moment where she finally embraces be, what it truly means to be a survivor. Yeah, and that you can't just run all the time. And that, you know, what it means to be in a Scream movie. It, it basically, kill or be killed. I mean, this is basic survival instincts where it would kick in. You know, the TV over the head, again, was another great nod to the original, which was my favorite death in the original. Or is it death? Some people could still argue that it's not. Mm. So, quick comment. Um, I mean, we did have Mendy. 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 
Why did I say Mendy? I don't know. Mendy question. It's the Dr. Pepper in my sinuses <laughs> going up to my brain. <laughs> so that really did hurt. So whether or not she's sitting there talking to Kirby and Kirby's like, so I hear you're a horror fan. She's like, it's been said that that made me chuckle. There's so many of those lines that made me feel like I was a teenager again. Um, Cause I'm like, yeah, the, the quippiness, the snark, yeah. the attitude is back yeah. in scream. I'm sorry, Scream 4, but you were a little flat for me, but that's another story. It wasn't geared. It wasn't geared <coughs> towards us. I'm not sure who it. Scream 4 was geared towards. But, you know uh, who it was geared towards. I, I liked it, did not love it. I love Scream 6 the more I think about this. So, um, yeah. She, oh, so she, so she mentions to, is it to Kirby or is it to somebody else? She says, no, she oh, mentions, I think, in general to everybody when they're looking in the theater. Yeah, do, you know, she questions whether or not you believe Stu is actually dead. And reminder that Matthew Lillard has said that Stu does not necessarily have to be dead. And the creators have even said anybody can come back. But now I feel like it's been talked about so much that it's not going to happen because now it would be too obvious. It would be. Not unless he's alive and he gets killed in the opening. That, which that, could be a, a subvert expectations. That could be it. So, so anyways. But how would you explain? We're gonna get into yeah. the we're gonna get into the screen multiverse again here, I folks. Know. So, well, then an, another quick note about that. Yes. Um. I love the quip between Kirby and Mindy. Yeah. With the horror movies, Can, that was a nice they're, little. They're nod. like Candyman, original, original or requel, both, and they said at the same time. That yep. that was very a sweet nod. Yes. Um yeah, because it was still like, you know, okay, Kirby is mature, she's been through a lot. She's an this mature FBI detective now. Pardon me, but it's still it's still a nod that okay, so she's still She's still this, a horror gr- fan. this girl's still gotta do her homework to catch the monsters as an as, as an FBI agent. So her love of horror movies is serving her and others well catching monsters. And she's so. using it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tool. It's just another tool. Uh, I did you notice the metallic things on her sleeves? I did. It was like, why didn't they use that for her to block a knife? When she was doing the photo ops with that costume on, it was like, yeah, she's gonna, she's almost got like these metal bracers. She's going to be able to like block stabs, but they never used they it. They never anyway, used it. Maybe yeah. it was too awkward. I don't know. So, um, yeah. Then you get the TV death in Scream 6 and that, that it further stirs the stew pot. Um you also see Stu's robe front and center. <laughs> well, I, yeah, but I feel like they kind of made every piece front and center for at least a few seconds. Um, anyways, but yeah, but th- okay. We've got three Stu references in this movie. So there's gotta be some reason why they, ha- they like, hinted. Wh- is, is that really a throwaway comment by Mindy? Are they saying, Hey, uh, we hear what you're saying and we're thinking about yeah. it is what I got from that. Yeah. So favorite death is Annika falling from the ladder. I mentioned it earlier. That was, that was pretty gruesome display for a scream movie that like started entering terrifier territory to me, not to the extreme. Um, I, I have to state while I wouldn't offer up the extra money for 3d again, I think I said this earlier. I, that was the one moment where 3d worked really well. Um, again, in the alleyway with the ladder. So um, I will get to my second favorite kill in a moment when we are now, again, the soda up my nose, the killer or killer's reveal is what we're going to talk about next. What was your favorite part of the reveal? What worked for you, Carrie, and what did not? I will lead off. This is 
the killer reveal section. And if you made it this far, folks, you've had plenty spoiled for you already. But this is the ultimate spoiler when it comes to who donut donut. Now <laughs> I comes want, now to, I want a donut. When it comes to donuts, <laughs> when it comes to a who donut movie, a who done it movie, you've been warned multiple times along the way now. So if you're somewhere in between a non spoiler fan and haven't seen it, but want some stuff spoiled for you without being the killers being spoiled, turn around now, take the nearest subway train to a different destination. This is the ultimate spoiler. So you might want to get off the stop. Five, four, three, two, one killers are being spoiled as of now so for the first time in one scream kill carry yes you mentioned it we've got three killers technically we had five killers Mm -hmm. with our two would-be um carpenter killers killed in the opening jason and greg yes okay so they were technically they were going to be the next killers Uh, but although you can argue greg never did kill anybody oh that's right so Guys, the mastermind of the Scream 6 Ghost Face Killings is Dermot Mulroney's Detective Bailey, a.k.a. Mr. Kirsch. That's right, Richie's dad. And if you go back to the opening, Ghostface says right before the title card, again, I said this before, who gives a fuck about the movies? Again, we're in a part two good old-fashioned revenge territory. And who are Detective Bailey's accomplices? His two kids, Ethan. And my biggest reveal for me was Quinn. Um, that was a great fake out death for her. Um, holy shit. She had a lot of freaking work to do once she faked her death. She was booking it across New York city. It's almost like we're entering Jason teleportation territory. I know, supernatural, a little bit of effect to that. I cannot wait to dissect when somebody actually oops, hit the mic. When somebody actually lists who killed who yeah because it's actually for me it's still dizzying right now who killed who i think you have the opening being the detective i think that's bailey in the opening yeah maybe i'm wrong somebody correct me and give me reasons why but i think the opening was bailey um i think that the therapist was bailey as well Uh, and i actually think those are his only two kills i don't know I don't know who did the therapist but you know it's ethan i think it's the therapist because in in the barracks mulrooney Bailey was told about the therapist That's and she right. gave him the information. So he was the only one that had the information. We think so. I mean, he could have given he it to been, his kids, yeah. but okay. By the way, guys, here's another Easter egg. And, and this is a little bit more subtle. If you haven't watched the Prowler, the early 80s slasher, watch it. Um, and think about detective Bailey and think about the killer in that movie. It's actually, there's some Prowler nods yeah. to the, to, to detective Bailey here. Yeah. I definitely got maniac vibes too. Oh, Tony's character, Jason, in the beginning when he's sitting down in his apartment explaining what it was like to kill somebody, that was maniac vibes, mm-hmm. 1,000% maniac. We actually had somebody um, on our Twitter was telling us um, that maniac was, because we again, we did our bonus episode on maniac, that uh, maniac was their, their second favorite um, <coughs> slasher of, of all time. Um, I'm going to do just a little mini shout out, um, to not only Linda, our first patron, thanks again, Linda, but, uh, um, is it, uh, is it Lathan 1988, L. Lathan 1988? He states my second all time favorite horror film ever, not just slasher. Um, Ghostface and Scream 6 gave me maniac vibes and that's Spot what we're on. Yeah. yeah. That's that we were, we were like totally agree. Um, and again, we, that's when we had told him that the, uh, the ending Prowler-ish. Prowler vibes. Yeah. 
<coughs> so anyways, Carrie, now it's your turn to talk about the reveal, the killer reveal. Okay. I really did enjoy how full circle, you know, this, the reveal came for me, but with it being Richie's family, that was a huge shock. You were genuinely shocked. You I were, was shocked. I mean, yeah. I had suspected a little bit Dermot Mulroney's character once he was saying certain things in the interview. There was a little suspicion, you know, him saying, well, I can vouch for Quinn and that takes her off the list. You know, that was kind of like, and the fact whenever, you know, Kirby comes in, there's okay. Like, oh, wait, okay. Um, but it was, you know, they didn't look like Richie at all. There was no resemblance. I would say if you're just going on the surface reactions, like you could say, oh, well, Richie had some reddish hair and so did, um, Quinn Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that Mulrooney and Ethan, Rude. or excuse me, Bailey and Ethan looked similar with the darker hair, but not so similar. Uh, it, where do, where do Robbie, Robbie, where do Richie? Cause Rob, Robbie's in scream yes. Four. sorry. Where do Richie and Quinn get their red hair from? Probably the mother. Mm-hmm. That's what did you they know, touch on, Mrs. They did not say Kirsch? one note about the mom. Are we gonna say agree that Mrs. Kirsch is probably too obvious at this point as a killer for Scream Seven? Probably, but I wouldn't rule it out. Okay, if we see a red, as a factor, if we see an older redheaded woman in Scream Seven, be on the lookout, people. <laughs> It, well, you can always change your hair color. Okay, that's a good Mrs. Loomis, like I had plastic surgery kind of point that you just made. So good call. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was neat to see Dermot Mulroney go bad. I mean, that was a, definitely a different character for him. The rom-com guy from the yes, 90s goes bad. My best friend's wedding goes, you know, on a murder spree. What was the movie? What was the 80s movie or was it early 90s with Jennifer Connelly and um, the guy where they get locked in the Target overnight together? Dermot Mulroney was kind of a bad guy in that movie. He was super young in that movie. Anyways. I'm trying to remember that. I'm going to hit the Googles. I'm like. Jennifer Connelly Target movie. Um, career Opportunities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I remember we watched that. Yeah. Yeah, where they're in the store and they're playing with toys and stuff. Yeah. If you look at this, you're like, oh, can you imagine Dermot Mulrooney? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's he him. He does not even look the same. Well, he's made to look like a cheesy criminal yeah. in this. Uh, but, yeah, ima- imagine Dermot Mul- young Dermot Mulrooney in the early Scream movies. Oh, yeah. That would have uh, worked. Yep. So, um, but anyways. Anyways, back, you know, back to it. That's a good picture of him there. That is. So, um, yeah, check out Career Opportunities if you haven't for more Dermot Mulrooney. A um, young Dermot Mulrooney. Go for it. Um, So basically you have this family killing thing that was unique. You know, the family that kills together stays together. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the revenge factors back, which ties in quite nicely with the first and the second movie. It, you know, for me, I love a good storyline. My reaction to the killer reveal, um, where does the killer and killer reveal rank? So, this is my third favorite killer reveal next to Billy and Stu and then Mrs. Loomis and Mickey from Scream 2. 
it's the same exact thing for me verbatim. This is a better killer reveal only because it has more emotional weight behind it compared to Scream 5. And I thought Scream 5's reveal was pretty good with, you know, Richie. Yeah, it it was good. Um, Can we have a Scream movie without anybody playing on the boyfriend angle? I don't know if that's possible. You have to play that angle. It's now a theme. It's yeah. a central theme. Yeah, you're right. Um, and well, it's a whodunit. So everybody, you could you could create a case for anybody being a suspect, I guess. But um, so movie rating, and we're just going to twist this around a little bit because we came out of this feeling like, okay, this was good. This was really good when we did the 3D and D box. I'm like, okay, four out of five. I'm going to give this a four out of five. I feel the same way I did when I watched Scream 5. I didn't feel like it blew out of the water. But guys, after seeing it in 2D, I loved it even more. I loved it even more after the second time. I am giving, upon second viewing, giving this a 4.5 out of 5. That's how much I really enjoy this movie. It, it To me, um, I think you can say, arguably, this might be the best. You, there's an argument to be made this is the best since the very first one. Yeah. Um, it's that good, in yeah. my opinion, for a Scream movie. Um, Carrie, what are your thoughts? For me, the 3D and <clears throat> D-Box rating is, again, as much as I did not care for the 3D, it's still a 4 out of 5 flamethrowers for me. Um, but after seeing it in 2D, it's a 4.5. Yeah. I just, you know, it was, yes, it was nice to pick up on things that you didn't notice the first time around, but it was still way more enjoyable in 2d yeah we're, we're on the same page 4.5 out of 5 flamethrowers um that's a that's a really high score for us um and we don't take that lightly no not at all and you know what i would love to revisit our score whenever scream 7 comes out which is apparently sometime in 2024 so um yeah a half a notch better than scream 5 i, I i've had a better time the energy was there compared to scream five scream five was excellent but scream six is just to to me a little bit better and i'm just gonna make a note because our son made a very good note that technically while there was three killers in the end he said actually there was four because of sam that's a good point yeah sam is a uh, I mean, she's reacting. She's to reacting the killers, to the so, killers, but yeah. So, so this is what makes the 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 requel franchise a little bit different because our heroine is not one hundred percent, you know, the ingenue. She is, you know, she's got that darker side to her. When they paused on her looking down at the mask at the end of Scream Six, I'm like, are they going to cut right here? Like, is this where they're going to end? And you're like, oh no, like what's going to happen in Scream Seven? And then she throws it down. I I actually wish they would have just. Stopped right there. Stopped right there. I mean, yeah. she's touching the glass where her father's costume is. And I'm like, okay, this is a little bit more than just having an hallucination. She's like reaching out for that dark side now. And she finally, she dons the outfit. Mm-hmm. So that does take it a half a notch mm-hmm. further past just having a hallucination. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know after they've been through so much that she's going to fully turn. I, I think it's going to be... Although I do have to say she might if Tara ends up getting it. 
She might. Ooh, are they going to kill off Tara in the opening in seven? If they do, that could push. That could push her over. That would the push edge. definitely because Tara is grounding her and bringing her back to. Yep. So Carrie, tell us why you think. What made Scream Six a unique entry in the franchise? Well, a. <coughs> It's set in New York, where there's massive amounts of people just walking around, not knowing each other. And then, and then it, you know, it's not good old Woodsboro anymore. We had the DNA and FBI element, you know, with Kirby in this. So the, the setting was greatly used. I think not even just like, oh, yeah, it's a different screen movie in a different location, but it actually made the kills unique. I think that that New York City is a backdrop. We need a variety. I I, I actually am fine if we don't go back to Woodsboro now. No. So um, I actually think it needs to be somewhere else now. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in segment two. Um, oh, okay, we've got the midnight. Hold up, boy. Hold on. Oh, that's a good boy. Now we'll we'll let you watch Scream Six whenever we own it. Not taking the theater. They have no dogs allowed. Sorry. Nope, especially not werewolves. Go on. Good boy, lay down. Um, let's hear from Jake, the Midnight Traveler. Case and Carrie. The movie will begin in five moments, the mindless voice announced. All those unseated will await the next show. Greetings, horror hounds. Once again, it's me, Jake, the Midnight Traveler, writing to you from outside the lines of reality. Or something close by it. The word tells me that you and your brood are heading out to the cinemas this weekend. Shame I won't be able to go with you, being so far away. But I do admit that your outing has inspired the contents of this very letter I am now sending you. You don't get to be like me by avoiding those bright lights, overpriced snacks, and all the ushers in the vests and hats once in a while. Now say what you will about home viewing. There's still nothing quite like seeing a movie on the big screen in a darkened hall surrounded by strangers and maybe a few friends. Many have debated and discussed just exactly why this is so, but the beautiful thing about it, I think, is the fact that you could talk to 10 different people and get around 11 different answers. So where does that leave me? Well, I guess if you're so inclined, sit back and I will share some of my own experiences with you on some of the things I've seen and been a part of in my years, chasing the ghosts, ghouls, and goblins on the silver screen. Some are funny, some tragic, and some are annoying, but they all seem to tell one a great story, maybe even one to make a movie on. Now, my first story might be my earliest, and it wasn't even a full movie. <laughs> when I was young, there were two major theaters that we as a family would frequent, the big showcase cinemas north on McKnight Road and the recently opened Super Saver Cinemas in the old Northway Mall at the edge of my neighborhood. Sadly, both are now long gone. The tales told by my mother about going to the old movie houses in downtown Pittsburgh were truly from another era. The stages, the curtains, and the overall pomp of those places were nothing like what we had as the 80s turned into the 90s. 
These were neon monoliths, with as many screens packed in as they could to rake in those suburban bucks from kids and their parents. These were the places that showed me the power of cinema, and it was one Saturday afternoon that I got the shock of my then five-year-old life. An overactive imagination kept me away from going after scary movies in the beginning, but my older brother still loved scaring me whenever he could, and his biggest tool in his arsenal of fear was Freddy Krueger. He borrowed a mask from our uncle and then went out for Halloween as him in 88 and jumped out of many doors to scare the daylights out of me. Jerk. So, I was careful in what movies I saw when I was taken to the theaters back then. That afternoon, I was able to tag along with my brother and older cousins to see No Holds Barred, a new release starring the king of the leg drop, Hulk Hogan. This was just going to be an action film. Nothing scary, right? Well, this doesn't consider what previews come with it. With Reese's pieces in hand, I took my seat and waited for the lights to dim. From what I can recall, it was the second preview that showed the logo for New Line Cinema before it cut to a baby carriage and ominous music. I had no clue what it was. Then the camera moved in very slowly. And then just as they peered into the bassinet, Freddy's bladed glove comes ripping out of the darkness. And I was on the floor of the theater screaming. But I didn't spill my candy. Someone at New Line paired this up with a PG-13 action film. And I guess you could say it had an effect. Even now... I still get chills when I see any late 80s era New Line preview thanks to that day. It would be a few more years before I ever did get the courage to see Nightmare on Elm Street 5, though. Cut to the summer of 03, and by now I'm a seasoned veteran of hundreds of horror films and was eagerly looking for anything to get my fix. That summer... The film many had been waiting for was finally hitting the theaters, and I wasn't going to miss it. Freddy vs. Jason. With my brother in horror, Todd, with me, we hit a place a bit further out than we were used to. Cranberry Cinemas in Cranberry Township, uh, in the next county, was the setting that night. And we set out to see if the ultimate question would be answered on whether Freddy could take Jason in a fight. After parking the car, we strolled into the very crowded lobby to find the theater where the final throwdown was going to happen. At this point, I'd seen many films in the theater of various genres. And this also wasn't the first opening night I'd been to either. All that aside... The vibe that hot August night was markedly different. This felt more like the build-up to a concert. Uh, The electricity and the rambunctiousness was palpable, and it was at least clear to me that this wasn't going to be your average movie night. We grabbed our seats and patiently waited for the action to start. When it kicked off, 
that's when the cheers started. No way was anyone going to keep their mouth shut for this as every kill and every nude scene was loudly commented on. Why not? We'd been waiting for this film since the end of Jason Goes to Hell, a literal decade before this. You bet your ass we were going to cheer this one on. After leaving satisfied, we took our post-show to the only place over 16 and under 21-year-olds can go to in southwestern Pennsylvania at midnight, Eaton Park. Debates and discussion raged over burgers, coffees, and Cokes, over the best kill or the best nude scene, and the ultimate question, who actually won? At the end of the night, it was apparent to me that this was another example showing just how much this sort of thing is a genuine community that does bring people together to share experiences. I feel that this is the most overlooked aspect of what we are like as a whole. We like to share in our passions and enrich the experiences through being with each other. That night really helped to prove that. I think I've gone on too long, though, and I will have to wrap it up here. Can't take up too much time here with you kind folks. Hope you had a fun night on the town for you tonight, and I hope that this is just the first of many with you and your little ones. Just be sure to keep them away from baby carriages in the meantime. See you next midnight. Jake. I always love it whenever Jake shares his going to the movie experiences. I think we can all relate. Um, so that takes us to intermission time, folks. <clears throat> Pardon me. Thank you for listening to our free comfy horror movie review. If you'd like to support us, um, you can find our fully extended episodes that include Carrie's Horror, etc., where we discuss anything horror from horror literature, personal haunts, horror history, on-site locations, or extended discussion on horror flicks. These are on Spotify for podcasters. Um, or Apple, you can find our uh, RSS feed via dimeformidnight.com, um, where we're just about on all the platforms for free. So um, check us out everywhere, including Patreon, where we would love to connect with you directly. Help make Dying for Midnight grow. See you for segment two, Horror Etc., where we expand on our Scream 6 discussion, things we didn't notice the first time, but we did the second time. Also, what's on our wish list for Scream 7? See you then.